Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And as we think of the glory of motherhood, we cannot take and separate the importance of faith. Now, we do admire motherhood. Years ago, a young mother was taking her uh, young baby across the hills of Wales, South Wales, and unfortunately, while she was making her journey, a strong blizzard came and she never did get home. When it finally subsided, they found her body, and uh, what she had done is taken her coat and, and outer garments and had put them around her uh, child, and she was found uh, fully wrapped around her child, covered with snow, and to the delight of everyone, even though the mother had passed away, the baby was fine, completely without any injury, and survived. And she had very clearly given her life, as only mothers would do, for, uh, with that depth of mother love for her child. This is a very famous story because later in life, this man was David Lord Lloyd George. He was a prime minister of Great Britain, one, one of the greatest statesmen in England's history. And we admire that mother for her sacrifice. But the greatest admiration that we need to have is mothers giving their lives and fathers giving their lives to have faith developed in the hearts and lives of their children, to protect them from unbelief and the blizzard, so to speak, of this world's freezing uh, skepticism and, uh, and humanism and attack upon the Word of God. As Lord Shaftesbury said, give me a generation of Christian mothers and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. Honestly, that is how powerful, faith-filled motherhood is. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. We're going to look just quickly here this morning at two passages from the last book written through inspiration by the Apostle Paul before his martyrdom. We don't know exactly how close he was to the martyrdom, but it was probably pretty close. Could have been days, could have been just a few weeks. And so this was in some ways an emotional book. It is inspired by the Spirit of God, but that's the beauty of the Word of God, how uh, the human heart is seen with the divine protection of Him giving this by inspiration. In fact, in this book is the great uh, verse on the inspiration of Scripture, which will be part of the second uh, passage that we look at. But I want to look at the example of Timothy, and we see here the heart of the Apostle Paul and what he said about his faith. If you look with me at chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. Here you see his heart that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, now note this, that dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded. He knew that it was in thee or him also. And so here 
uh, right from the beginning we see the wonderful confidence that the Apostle Paul had in Timothy and Timothy's faith in the Word of God because of it being transferred from his grandmother to the mother to Timothy. Parents must be faith-filled. This is so key in our day. With all of the untruth, with all of the things that are undermining faith, our homes need to be enveloped with deep confidence in the Word of God and living it out with a genuineness and a openness. And we see here that this faith that was in Timothy and was clearly in his mother and grandmother is called unfeigned faith. Can we just simply use the term unhypocritical faith? It was real. It was genuine. It was not put on. It wasn't the image making of our day. They, he had a grandmother that believed God in the midst of a pagan world. He had a mother that believed God. And he himself believe God. He believed the Word of God as we're going to see. And so often parents think that they can get by with what they say about what they believe without living what they believe. Folks, you can't get by with that. You can maybe fool people outside of your home, and you really don't because if the power of God's not on you, it's not going to last forever. But you can, you can fool them for a period of time. But you can't fool your children. They know exactly who you are. And they know whether your life is dominated by the Word of God. Because faith is based upon the Word of God. It is a dependence, a trust upon the written Word of God. And when dads make decisions on their job, when dads make decisions about priorities, when dads make decisions about integrity... When dads make decisions about faithfulness to the work of God and uh, obedience to what God has called them to do, and they experience then the grace of God because they're walking by faith, those children are deeply moved by that reality. That cannot be faked. And mothers, oh, the heart of a mother has such an impact. The most important thing you can do is to meet with God and to know Him, and to walk with Him. And it's a, a genuine, a real relationship. And you know the book. It's precious to you. And through the trials of life, you are counting it to be true and not going on the basis of your feelings or what the culture is doing. You are, are doing what God wants you to do. There's a very odd piece of sculpture on the grounds of Ribston Hall in Yorkshire, England. It's called the Two-Faced Butler. On one side there's a face that's all smiles and looks very nice, very polite. On the other side is a face that's nothing but insolence and impoliteness. And it was told that there was such a butler who lived at that very residence who was serving the household and one day the lady of the household gave him some orders and he was all courteous, you know, especially how English butlers could be. And he, when he turned around, he didn't think anybody was watching, and he stuck his tongue out at her and did this kind of thing uh, to her, and somebody saw it. So, in his honor, uh, this statue was made, so that he would remember, and everyone else passing in through their staff would remember not to be two-faced. 
First Timothy um, verse 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. He challenges in the first epistle to him as he's there in Ephesus uh, pastoring, he challenges him there, have genuine faith. The only way you're going to make it in that church and the only way you're going to continue on the work of God is for this to be real, to walk with God and to see God work and to prove Him to be true. And that challenge is there. And it's really, I think, very interesting here that he says, I have absolute confidence that it is true. I think God had done some wonderful things uh, in the life of Timothy. But it all started with his family. And so genuine faith also needs to be generational. And it will be generational. The Lord knew the heart of David. And when he made the covenant with David that his, there would be his posterity on the throne, we read in Psalm 132.11, The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, uh, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. And David's faith went into the heart of Solomon. And it is wonderful and sometimes very challenging when you look at the impact of parents uh, on the next generation, especially when it came to the kings. By the way, Daniel, I'm convinced that Daniel and the Hebrew children and others were influenced by the mothers in their life that had come from the influence of godly King Josiah. I mean, the impact is enormous. Generations are affected by faith. And so we need to have that view. Listen, Every choice we make impacts someone else. And mothers, every choice you make, dads, every choice you make, when you, instead of believing God, go the wrong way, when you're hypocritical in your home, when you act one way at home and then another way when you're at church, when you're not willing to believe God, your children know that you're not willing to trust Him with your material possessions. The children know that you say things that you ought not say. They know that the priorities that you have are not right. And you've got a frustration about about the Christian life. You see it as duty. Listen, that goes deep into your children. And it not not only affects your children, it affects their children and their children. And we're talking about ripple effects that are generational. And that's what we're living with right now in America. That's what's been happening for a period of time. And God just wants us to simply walk by faith. A preacher once, a great preacher back in England, said that when Robert Moffat was added to the kingdom of God, a whole continent was added with him. And Robert Moffat opened up the southern part of Africa to the gospel with great sacrifice. And a mother's kiss did it. He was leaving home and his mother went with him for part of the way. At last she could go no farther, and she stopped. Robert, promise me something. What, said the boy? Promise me something. She said it again and again, and he replied, you'll have to tell me before I will promise. It is is something you can easily do, she said. Promise your mother. He looked into her face and said, very well, mother, I will do anything you wish. She clasped her hands behind his head, pulled his face down to hers and said, Robert, you're going out into a very wicked world. Begin every day with God, close every day with God. And then she kissed him. And Robert Moffat said it was that kiss that made him a missionary. (laughs) 
And that faith of that dear mother, now think of that, a simple lady in England who walked with God, who had a powerful testimony to her son and called on him to serve the Lord, affected literally millions of people in the next hundred years. That's pretty sobering. That's how powerful a mother's influence is upon a child. And that's what it said here. Timothy, I'm challenging you to have unhypocritical faith, but I am so thankful that I know that your grandmother have it and that your mother have it. And I see it deep within your heart. And, uh, and I know that you will continue to go on. Number two, parents should teach the scriptures. If you look over with me to chapter 3, leading into the great verse, verse 16, on the inspiration of scripture, we read in verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What a great uh, section there. Now parents, the key to your children's faith is knowing the Word of God. Now let me again remind you, faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a general, I trust God, though we need to trust God. It's a nice statement to make, but it doesn't mean a whole lot. Faith is when you take the specific truth of God's Word and you take it as the Word of God and you are willing to believe it completely and take a step of faith in obedience to that depending upon God to enable you to do it doesn't matter what culture thinks doesn't matter how you feel doesn't matter what your past experience has been it is thus saith the Lord therefore it's true and I'm going to live it that's faith so if you don't know the word of God you can't have faith you cannot have faith without the Word of God. That's why we have discipleship. That's why we give the gospel. People can't have saving faith unless they know the truth. And that's why we have the preaching as we have here today. That's why we had Bible studies in the last hour. Uh, we had the ladies meeting. But that's why we have it in that preliminary hour before church. And we'll do it tonight. Why? Because that is the objective ground of our faith and my friends, I'm going to tell you from little baby right on up and even prior to their being born, as you play scripture and all, the scripture is, is a sword. The scripture is powerful. It is God-breathed. It is from the very heart of God. And I'm telling you, when scripture is given to children, even though they act like children, God is able to take that truth and it does something in their soul. And it begins to form a framework of thinking. Folks, we cannot hand our children over to those that say the world just happened. We cannot hand them over to those that say any kind of lifestyle is right. We must make sure that our children know that thus saith the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God made them male and female. God has... Uh, dealt with sin and that the Savior would come. That the only hope is through the redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. These are things that our children have to know. 
And as I read in verse 13, Satan is attacking faith. I don't have time to go into all the ins and outs of what that means, but it's in the context here of knowing the Scripture, which will overcome that. There are evil men. There are leaders who promise uh, uh, that life is all about self. There are, within liberal Christianity, uh, promotion of perversion and ungodly lifestyle. With certain groups that call themselves Christian, they say that health, wealth, and prosperity is what the Christian life is about. That's not what the Bible teaches. Within evangelicalism, there's a condoning of worldly, ungodly living, thinking that we can live that way and get by with it and still be a Christian. You can be a Christian and not live uh, godly, but that's not how we ought to live. The Bible said, shall we uh, live in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, don't even think about it. Now, I say that because that thinking affects parents. And then that affects children. We need moms that know how to pray. We need moms that know how to get a hold of the throne because they're living a genuine spirit-filled life. They're not uh, uh, hurting their conscience by things they're doing and capitulating to the cultural pressures of our day. A young boy uh, found a pack of cigarettes and he had been told that, man, if you smoke, you're going to be a man, you know. So he went off and hid somewhere and, and uh, tried to smoke, of course, gagged and everything else, but he thought he was something else. And all of a sudden, his dad walked around the corner, and uh, he had the cigarette behind his uh, back, and uh, he tried to distract his dad and said, see the billboard over there about the circus? I'm, can you take me to the cir circus? And, and the dad said, um, Son, never make a petition while at the same time trying to hide a smoldering disobedience as the smoke was rising up uh, behind his son. But you know, as silly as that looks to, you know, with, with an immature child, we do that all the time, not with cigarettes. But how can we pray for our children when we're hiding things? See, that's the opposite of faith. Faith is just believing. God can give me victory, but I need, to, I need to believe that that victory is what I need. I need to walk with God. And God will enable me. And that's why it's unhypocritical faith. Unfeigned faith. Genuine, not two-faced. But there are all kinds of evil, um, evil men and seducers. And you could go on that uh, uh, are attacking the faith of our children John 8, 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Let me tell you, moms, Satan is powerful, but his head was crushed at the cross. And when you know, know God, when you know this scripture, and when you're willing to obey and live by faith and walk with the Lord and walk in his presence, Satan will fall before you. And you can stand between the influence of this world and your children. You can cloak them in the love of God. I'm telling you, it's true. We need some moms that believe God. Deep down in their soul, they're not going to hurt their conscience. It's more important to them that their children be all that God wants them to be than even life itself. How important it is that we have that. 
in the country, there was a home of a deacon. They had several children. Two of the boys had just gotten into their early teens. And uh, a revivalist came in the, at that country church, and God began to start moving. People were getting saved. Great things were happening. And uh, then the preacher came over to that home to eat a meal, and she asked the preacher, why are not my boys saved? The children in other homes are being converted by the score. My boys are interested, but I see no tears. I see no evidences of conviction. Tell me why. And the pastor said, can you take a little plain talk? And she said, I can. Your boys are dry-eyed and concerned because their mother is. Did you ever t take either of them aside and really talk to them about salvation and the things of the Lord? The uh, mother said, no. Have you spent sleepless nights weeping over their lost condition? The mother, now sobbing, said, never. Then the preacher said, the boys are unsaved because their mother has no burden for them. The night was a momentous night in that home. The next morning at the breakfast table with sad and tearful face, the mother refused to eat, saying, all night long I walked the floor and prayed for my boys. My boys are on my heart. I cannot live unless they're saved. Good news is both boys were saved that very day. And they said to her, mother, we heard you when you prayed for us last night, and we are now saved because of an answer to your prayers. But honestly, that's a rather graphic illustration. But how much do we care? How important is it that your children are men and women of God? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to change in your own life and time with God for your children to be all that they ought to be? I'm telling you, there's nothing more priceless on planet Earth than a God-fearing mother that knows how to meet with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will protect through the truth. And, uh, and that's, that's how uh, these things became assured of in the heart. The Spirit of truth, as John 16, 13 says, will guide into all truth. And He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so, as this says, the Bible should be ingrained in the children's souls. Uh, you notice how it says... Uh, but con verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hath been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Do not count on anyone else, though you need to place them in ed proper education and above all have them in church as much as possible. It still is the primary uh, role of a parent to make sure your children know line by line what the Word of God says. Spurgeon, who did not have formal training, said, I cannot tell how much I owe to the solemn words and prayers of my good mother. It was the custom on Sunday evenings while we were children for her to stay at home with us. We sat around the table and read verse by verse while she explained the scripture to us. How many times have you heard me quote C.H. Spurgeon here? Probably a thousand times. That came from his mother. Because he didn't have the formal training. That came from his mother. Think of all the ripple effects of that for the centuries. Well, finally, parents should lead to faith and wisdom. That's the whole idea here. The Bible is the key to faith. The reality of Christ 
was seen in these two ladies. And they had taught the Word of God, and then they had prayed. Billy Sunday tells of a pastor who was making calls. He came to a certain home and asked for the mother, but the child said, uh, opening the door, you cannot see my mother for she prays from 9 to 10. So he had to wait 40 minutes before he could see her. When he did see her, she came out of her prayer closet with the light of glory on her face, having been in the Word and having walked with God. And now he knew why her older sons and daughter were all missionaries. For that woman knew the Word, taught the Word, and spent that hour with God every day. And uh, what a testimony, what a testimony that is. The Bible is the key to wisdom. Proverbs 3.13, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. Folks, we can wring our hands about what's happening in culture, but we do, we look at all the wrong reasons to solve it. If the family would function as God called it to function, and if we would be concerned about our children knowing the Word of God, they would have wisdom, they would understand to love one another as themselves, they would, we would see everything change like in the earlier days of our culture here. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God conclude with this well-known story. The story has been told of a South Sea Islander who proudly displayed his Bible to a GI during World War II. Ah, we've outgrown that sort of thing, the soldier said. <laughs> the native smiled back. It's a good thing we haven't. If it weren't for this, you'd been a meal by now. <laughs> Folks, we don't have to be a secular culture. We've got enough mothers who are saved across this country, the children in their homes to change the, change the course of this country if they'd walk with God. I thank God for godly mothers here. But every one of us need to be challenged. Are we walking by faith? Are we genuine? Do we believe God? Dads, are you leading in faith? Is the Lord the center of your home? And if so, it's amazing. I don't care how pagan a society may be, God will bring a great victory. Let's bow for prayer.